This is the Real Life Runners podcast special mini series, Kevin's Road to the Daytona 100, Part 1. If you're looking for ways to bring more joy into your running and you want to be a physically and mentally stronger runner, you're in the right place. This is the Real Life Runners podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right, runners, welcome to a special podcast mini series that we're going to be doing to kind of catalog and track and follow Kevin along on his journey to the Daytona 100, which is a 100 mile race in Florida going from Jacksonville to the Daytona area, we'll say it doesn't actually end in Daytona, as Kevin pointed out to me. (laughs) Yes, it does not end around the racetrack. Yeah, but Kevin is doing this amazing thing, running 100 miles. And when we tell people this, I think that there's a lot of people that think that runners are just crazy anyway, let alone people that run marathons, let alone people that run ultra marathons, let alone people that run 100-mile ultra marathons. Yeah, it's a long distance. It gets the the, the most popular response is always, I don't like to drive that far. Oh, yes. Always a good Mm -hmm. response. Always a good response. But there's a lot of interest and curiosity curiosity about how do you run a hundred mile race? How do you even do that? And so we thought it would be fun to do do just a little mini series where we kind of just chat with Kevin. So this is going to be, some of them will be little mini interviews with me. Some of them are going to be some of like Kevin's own training logs. We're not really sure. We're going to kind of wing it as we go, but just to kind of catalog is the wrong word. What is the word I'm looking for? I don't know, but this is chronicle, 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 Kevin's training journey um, to the Daytona 100. And he's decided to do this race and also use this race for a good purpose and to help raise money and raise awareness for people living with epilepsy. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. I mean, the timing works out nice because November is National Epilepsy Awareness Month. Um, So I've actually started posting things on social media, which I haven't done in... I don't know, two or three years. A while. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, so if you're not following Kevin yet, his Instagram is kevinbrown.rlr on Instagram. Yeah, that, that covers me. Um, but epilepsy is something that's been in my life for years now. Six years now. Six years now. Well, almost seven. I was going to say we're coming up on, on the anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, but back in 2017, I had a series of seizures and... I had every test they could throw at me because Angie had them put every <laughs> test that they could throw at me. Um, and, and they said yes because I was a crazy wife that was trying to figure out what was going on. Yeah, so I mean, we did all of the testing and could not really come up with a good answer for specifically what is causing any of this. But I had them, what, I had my first one in Mar- March, April. April, April uh, August, and December. Yeah. And throughout that time, I I was searching the internet, of course, also to try to find answers because that's where you find all the answers when they run the tests and they won't give you an answer. And that's when I found that there's a lot of support out there in like the epilepsy community. And at first I was just searching for like seizures and seeing if I could find like another reason that might be causing it. But once I had the third one, then the doctor said, well, at this point you have the diagnosis of epilepsy because you've had three seizures. I said, oh, okay. So that's when I, I literally, I found this website. I think I'd been on it before, but that's when I was like, I need to be on this website and figure out this world that I'm in. And that's, that's the epilepsy foundation. And they have a lot of answers that are like good quality answers as opposed to rabbit holes that you could jump down on the internet. Um, so that was a real supportive 
website that I was able to find with with some good information. Yeah, and they do a lot for the epilepsy community with research and education and support and local chapters and children childhood through adults. So there's a lot going on. It's a it's a large foundation. I always like to investigate charities through um, different websites like one in particular charitynavigator.com to make sure that these charities that we are donating money to and choosing to partner with are legit. Not, I mean not and not just legit, but that they take the money and the money's actually going to good use because there's a lot of charities out there that are just really poorly run and the money isn't actually going doesn't actually get to the people that need it the most yeah not not enough of it yeah <laughs> it's too much is being lost on overhead but it's a good charity and they're doing a lot like you said through all sorts of things through uh funding research but also through support both of like people with epilepsy but also their support network like the the family that is that also has that needs some support also right because this was my health issue but your journey also it was and so there, there's just a lot of good good to this and so kevin has decided to use his race for good and to help bring more money and education and awareness and all of this to for people living with epilepsy so if you would like to sponsor kevin's race if you would like to donate you can go to kevin100.com right now and you can choose any amount that you would like to sponsor any no amount is too low so it's a minimum of a dollar because we have to you know there's payment processing fees and all those kinds of things so it has to be at least a dollar but anything you would like to donate would be greatly appreciated and we will thank all of our sponsors with various things and it explains more on the website so you can go to kevin100.com and check out that that and you know donate any amount that you feel comfortable with if you would like to support and sponsor Kevin's race yeah and and for people that that kind of knew this story every once in a while they'll check back in with me and they're like well how how are things going um somebody saw that i was posting about this recently and had not mentioned epilepsy in, in years so they reached out yeah. like just directly to me of like is everything going okay i'm like yeah it's it's epilepsy awareness month and well i kind of go through what i do every day i still have epilepsy like that's still a diagnosis that i live with on a day in day out basis and I, I think it's a good month to just bring that awareness that I'm certainly not alone in this also. Like the, uh, the prevalence is, is pretty high. And you can still do amazing things even with this diagnosis. Well, that's also why I'm trying to go for the 100 miles is to show that, yes, I have a diagnosis, but I, it doesn't have to limit me when I train intelligently. And take care of yourself in other ways. Yes, of course. So let's talk about this training. Let's get into, you know... When do you even start training for this, right? Like that's that's some of the uh, early questions when people find out that you're doing this is like, how do you even train for something like that? Well, I started when I was 14. <laughs> exactly. And it's steadily built up uh, with a lot of consecutive years ever since then. And that's that's part of it. And how how important do you think it is to have that kind of base or how long of a base do you think is important before you get into ultra races? I know it very it varies for sure. It definitely, it also depends on what it is that you're trying to do with it. Because there's a lot of people that cover all these distances and they walk a good amount of it because it's still incredibly physically taxing. Absolutely, but they're they're trying to beat cutoffs at essentially every aid station. And that's a different way of approaching than what I'm going for. And there's there's nothing right or wrong with it. That is certainly quite the challenge. I've heard 
plenty of stories on other podcasts that I listen to, and that sounds exhausting as well mm-hmm. because it, it is. But it's because you're out there for so much longer. Yeah, I mean the race that I'm doing has I think a 31 hour cutoff on it. That is a long time to be out there yeah. and continuously moving down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but how long does it? Would you really need to prepare? It, it depends on your goal. It depends on the length of the ultra. So if you want to say 100 miles, um, and then it depends on like your starting point. But I would say that the answer is a year plus, is over a year. Okay, so for you, knowing that you've been running since you were 14, you've done multiple half marathons and marathons, tons of races throughout your life. You have run probably hundreds of thousands of miles at this point. Like, I wonder, maybe not hundreds no, of thousands. No, not hundreds of thousands. No, because you probably you average like, what, 2,000, 2,500 a year? Uh, 2,000 ish. Okay, so you've run thousands of miles yes. over your lifetime. No, there's, hundreds of thousands is an exaggeration. No, there was, there's a, an incredible ultramarathoner um, who posted when she cracked the 100,000 mile mark. Wow. And, uh, and she does distances that are way beyond what I do. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, I have not okay, so passed 100,000. Thousands and thousands and thousands of sure. miles, right, that you've run. When did you actually, quote unquote, start training for an ultra or for this ultra? For this one? Yes. Um, I would say I low-key started training for this one at the start of the year. Okay. Because really... Knowing that the race was in December. Knowing the race was in December. My goal was essentially to try to hit roughly 200 miles a month all year long, which is a big year for me. I generally average around 200 miles a month. No, 2,000 miles a year. Um, and I was going to up that and be closer to 2,500. That's a big jump for me. Like I've not had a month that's been less than like 185 Mm -hmm. since the start of the year, which is a lot of just week upon week upon week mileage. And I think that's one of the big things that you need for running a race this long. Yeah, I would agree with that. And the other thing you did is you chose different goals for different cycles of your training throughout the year. Well, yeah, that was a huge thing is at the beginning, I was trying to remember exactly where my month broke down, but I had a cycle where I was just really focused for three straight months on getting as strong as I possibly could. And every time I was in the weight room, I was trying to hit more reps or higher weight and just really build up strength over a steady three-month period. And you suggested that I should cut my mileage back on that also during that time frame. And I slightly pulled back on mileage enough that I could continue to build strength, but I didn't pull back all that much. Did you pull back on speed? I pulled back on speed. Yes. So then you did reduce your training load, your, your running load. Because you pulled back on speed and you pulled back a little bit on mileage. I pulled back slightly on mileage, okay. but I definitely pulled back on speed because I was getting so much intensity out of the way that I was lifting. Because I'd not focused on lifting to that level mm-hmm. before. I'd done l- enough lifting to not get hurt. And for this chunk of time, I was really pushing in the weight room. Yeah. And so then after you finished that weight cycle, then what did you move to? After the weight cycle, I want to say I moved to mileage, then speed, and then I'm trying to tie it all together yeah. at this point. I think it's kind of how I did that is I went from mileage or from, from strength to cranking up some miles and then trying to get the speed down 
because this is one of the things out there is when you're trying to run a hundred quickly, one of the things that correlates remarkably well to it is how fast can you run a 5k? And most people don't think that your 5k and your hundred mile time correlate all that well, but they do. Really? Yeah. If you lined up everybody at the starting line of the hundred K and like of the the people that are like gonna push themselves and try and see how fast can I do a hundred, if you line them up in order of five K, you get pretty close to their finishing places. Interesting. Like closer than you would guess off of five mm-hmm. K versus a hundred miles. Yeah. Huh. yeah. That's very interesting. So then when you started to get into your race training cycle, when how long have you been in your quote unquote race training cycle? Because, you know, we could say that you've been training all year for this, which is true. Which is true. Right? And then when did you kind of start to become more race-focused? Maybe four months out, three or four months out. Okay. Um, and, and then what does that transition look like? And, and how long have you run up to this point? We're about a month out. Yeah. So back at the beginning of September, yeah, so that would be what, nine, ten, yeah, so that's like four months four out. Four months out. So around there i i went for a 40 mile run over the weekend mm-hmm. at the beginning of september and that was sort of like going to be the kickoff of if i can hit this and i feel pretty good and i'm fueling well during it i think i'm going to be able to sign up for the race because they're they're not cheap to to run these races and there's a lot of commitment involved on my part and your part and the rest of our family there's a lot involved in the setup of running this far so i wanted to make sure that i was actually prepared to do it and prepared to to get across the finish line. So I ran that ra- that prep race of 40 miles and felt fine, but then I got sick right afterwards. But that was like the kickoff of my training is, if this goes well, I'll sign up. And it went well, but then I got sick, like real sick, and didn't feel better for like three or four weeks. Yeah, you were really sick. Yeah. So, I mean, I took off. I ran on the 5th. No, I ran on the th- I don't know, whatever that Labor Day Sunday was. Mm -hmm. And then I ran again two days later and I felt like, okay, I looked at my mileage. It was like a short, easy run. And then I didn't run again until like the 17th. So there was a long time off in Mm -hmm. that window there um, because I I did not feel good. And that was weird with this because I really wanted to hit this race, but... I knew that the best way of getting prepared for it was not trying to push through illness. Mm -hmm. The best way of getting prepared for it was getting healthy again. Yeah. And then once you did get quote unquote healthy again to the point where you started running, your running didn't feel good for what, like a good month? It was between the time I got, so like I ran the 40 and then got sick and it was probably October before I was actually feeling normal out on my runs again, which was weird because that was the back two weeks of September that I'm like, Mm -hmm. I still don't feel right on these runs. So yeah, four, four weeks. Okay. So kind of fast forward us, like now that you're, you're kind of just running consistently again, what do the long runs look like over the last month? Like, so right now when we're recording this podcast, we're a month out. So like going to, you know, two months before the race, what do those long runs look like? And what does the rest of your training look like as well? So like take like a normal marathon training plan and a lot of marathon training plans build up to a 20. I'm trying to consistently hit 16 to 20 miles every single weekend, like weekend upon weekend upon weekend and fuel myself so much during those long runs that I can do a 20 miler on a Sunday and come back and run on a Monday, 
which that's been like one of the biggest things that I've done all year long is making sure that I'm fueling as much as possible on all of my long runs, every long run, every like moderately long run, just so much fuel on all these things so that I feel better the rest of the Sunday so that I feel competent and, and functional on Monday. I've been doing a lot of like Wednesday or Thursday off day because I'm like, I've been running all week. I should probably take an off day because I'd, I'd like to take the off day during the week. Um, but I also like making sure that I can run on the Monday following a long run, that I can hit speed on that Tuesday following a long run. And so then usually Wednesday or Thursday becomes an off day because it, it fits the cycle. Okay. Um, last weekend was my big one. Last okay. weekend was the like, let's do a, a final big push and see how this thing goes. Okay. And what did you do for that? So I ran 20 on Saturday and then the goal was to just run for four hours on Sunday of whatever that was going to get me. So I knew it was going to get me at least a marathon and I ended up getting 28 miles in. So that was, so you that was got pretty 48 good. over the course of two days. Yeah. And this is the interesting thing that I want to point out as well is, you know, you said you were hoping to, to run a marathon in, in four hours for a lot of people that is a, like a goal time, but for you, that is trying to slow yourself down and try to hit a pace that you believe is sustainable for a hundred miles. And that's not to make anybody else feel bad because whoever's running a sub four hour marathon is an amazing accomplishment. But just, I just want to put it in perspective because you running for four hours and doing a marathon in that time is an easy pace for you. And I think that that was a really interesting thing to point out is that the goal was not to run as far as you could in four hours. The goal was to be as much in control and to maintain an easier pace for you during that full amount of time, right? Yes, and hydrate as much as possible because that was the one hiccup that I had back in September when I went really long. I fueled amazingly, but I finished and I was just, I was definitely dehydrated for the rest of that day and the next day. I did not get enough liquid in. So this time I was really focused on making sure that I was drinking enough um, it was a lot cooler in, in the middle of November than it was at the beginning of September. Uh, so that helped a lot. Um, but you know, we're racing in, in December. So making sure that I'm taking in enough liquid is a big thing. And then I felt very much in control throughout all of it. So I was, I was a little bit ahead of the pace that I was aiming for, but that that's going to be okay. Like I, I felt comfortable the whole time. Yeah. And then the other thing you did was run like kind of in the middle of the day, yes. which I think was also very important it, because if you're going out there for a hundred miles and you're starting at 6am, you are running all day long, all day, right? So you have to be able to run at different points in the day. You can't just do all of your runs. I mean, I guess you can, but I think it's a smart thing to do to be able to run at different points during the day, because then you fuel differently. You have, you know, hit the sun and the heat and all of the weather differently. And you're allowing your body to make some of those adaptations during training so that it's not surprising for you on race day. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people that are like, Oh, this works for me. I can have this as fuel when I'm out on a run and it seems like a good idea. And then it's three o'clock in the afternoon and the sun is beating down on you and chocolate goo does not sound like the best idea at all. Like I, I really, some people are like, ah, you know, the different flavors of goo, they're all kind of gross. And I like the chocolate flavor. I think it's delicious. But at three in the afternoon, like last ultra I tried to go for and you guys were like, Oh, you, we've got a chocolate flavor. I'm like, that sounds awful. That sounds like the worst thing ever. It's like hot chocolate in 
when when was the last race? That was a uh, May. Yes, it was in May. May it like was, May twenty first. It think. was I think like one hundred and forty degrees outside, mm-hmm. and I was and running no on breeze. I was running on the surface of the sun. There were no clouds. There, there was a Saharan dust cloud. There was covering a Saharan you. dust cloud. That was the cloud that mm-hmm. was up there, and I couldn't breathe. And it was like, yeah, no, chocolate goo does not sound like a good idea at <laughs> no. all. So knowing what what you want to eat under various conditions is is certainly helpful. Yeah. So how are you feeling right now? Among month out awesome all right yeah and you know also really nervous and scared and excited Mm -hmm. and I I have so many feels Mm -hmm. um which there's a lot going on because it's a thing that I've never done I've tried this before and as as cool as it was to run as far as I did to know that I still had a third of the race left is somewhat daunting Mm mm-hmm how do you feel confidence-wise going into this race right now? I feel pretty good. Um, I feel more prepared uh, based off of training, more prepared based off of um, just the experience of the last one. I feel like it's tough to say I know what to expect, but I know more things that I can expect. Mm-hmm. And I think I know a little bit more of how I might be able to troubleshoot different things. There mm-hmm. were certainly things after the last time I tried this where I'm like, all right, that's something that needs to get fixed. That's something that needs to get fixed. So obviously there's going to be more issues that come up when you yeah. try and run for that many hours. Problems are going to come up, but hopefully I, I avoid some of the ones that came up last time. Yeah, we should do a brainstorm session like you and I of like what went well, what didn't go well, and yeah. like things to avoid. Um, but I want to make these shorter episodes. Is there anything that you want to kind of leave us with for this first episode of this new mini series um strength training for the win yes always a good one you know that and right now do you believe you are going to achieve your goal of completing the daytona 100 oh yeah no we're crossing the finish line heck yeah it's definitely happening i i believe it too and i i feel differently about it this time than i did the last time too and i'm not quite sure how to express that, but it just feels different this time around too. Yeah, no, we're crossing that line. For sure. All right, cool. So stick with us, guys. The goal here is to get out a mini episode every week. Um, We've got four weeks, I think, left until Kevin's race. So stay tuned if you'd like to stay on the road to the Daytona 100. And if you would like to sponsor Kevin's race, head over to kevin100.com and sponsor any amount you would like. We appreciate that. And thank you in advance for your generosity. All right, Kev, you want to sign us off? Get out there and run your life. <laughs>